With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Well, I want to thank Mike Ross for that nice introduction. Mike Ross is the PA announcer at Scotiabank Arena, the Leafs' home rink. So, Rossi, thank you very much. And welcome to episode number five, Leafs Guy, Jim Taddy with you. The Leafs off to a great start, five and two, Tuesday night in Calgary. And we'll go over some lineup changes as we move along. I want to tell you our guests today are Bill Waters, former Leafs assistant general manager, and Kevin Shea a hockey author who has written 19 books and several of them on the Maple Leafs will pay tribute to George Armstrong, all-time Leaf, who passed away Sunday at age 90. First, a note to our football fans, the moment you have been waiting for all season is right around the corner, and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Call to action here is download the DraftKings app now. Use the promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everybody gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing, so use the promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, back to the hockey story. Tuesday night, the Leafs in Calgary. It's expected Spezza will not line up tonight. He will not play. This is a time management thing, so it's expected, not confirmed at this point, that Joey Anderson will debut as a Maple Leaf, and he'll be on the fourth line with Engvall and Barabanov. The third line, which has been really impressive lately, Kerfoot between Simmons and Mikheyev, and then there's Tavares between Hyman and Nylander, and of course Matthews between Marner and VC. Blue line looks to be the same, Riley and Brody, Muzzin and Hall, and Dermott and Bogosian, and of course Anderson starts in goal. Not quite sure what happened to Jack Campbell at the end of the game Sunday in Calgary. Injury status has not been updated as we're recording this, so something to think about, but they do have Michael Hutchinson there as a third goalie, so hopefully it's just not a long injury and Campbell gets back because he's looked really good. We have Yes Guy Awards to be handed out at the end of our guest trail today. And as I mentioned, two of them 
Bill Waters is up first. He's the former Leafs assistant general manager. Let's listen to his conversation. The Leafs with uh, back-to-back wins at home to Edmonton and the opening of their two in Calgary uh, at, uh, from the eye test, Bill. It looks like they've got attention to detail like they've never had before. Yeah, I, I, I'm impressed with that, Jim. I think you have to take as many positives out of it as you can. I was impressed with uh, uh, the second-half goaltending by Campbell. He surprises me because he couldn't play goal for anybody before he came to Toronto. And uh, I, my only second thought on, on their record so far, and you have to be impressed if you're a Leaf fan, and there are lots of us, but they haven't played a team that legitimately made the top 16 last year. And once they do that, they will be exposed to, I think, a heavier checking. But the fact that they've kept the 2-1, 3-2, 5-4 scores under control is something that you have to be impressed with. Uh, I, I, Last time you and I talked, we talked about their defense in Ottawa on the Friday night, which was abysmal. It was much better on the Saturday. And... Uh, the Edmonton, the two Edmonton games, they they decided they were going to play Edmonton hockey, which is probably uh, the most boring hockey uh, in the league with the two best players. Talk about a conundrum, but I I, I still think that the Leafs uh, have been impressive, and uh, I'm waiting for uh, some team from the Scotiabank Division uh, to play them, other than Montreal, because Montreal can play them. Uh, the others, the Leafs just seem to be able to play any style that they want. And in the case of keeping uh, Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl off the score sheet, they've done they've scored, but they haven't been in, influenced in the, in, the, in, the, in the games except the win where Dreisaitl got the, uh, the winner, I gather. But I, I I I think on summation, the Leafs have been uh, as much as you would expect. Uh, you have to deduce from that that the Scotiabank division is going to be very weak. Uh, I think there are two teams that will make it off the top, and in order will be Montreal-Toronto. And then you have to figure out, Jimmy, who would be third and fourth? Would it be Edmonton? Would it be Calgary? Would it be my pick, Winnipeg? Or would it be Ottawa? Well, Ottawa's out, and they should be. they get got a bunch of young kids, so... There's three yeah. teams vying for two spots, and Vancouver. Uh, I think Vancouver should get one of the third and fourth. But uh, Edmonton, it's a shame when you have the two best players in the league and you're not going to make the uh, Scotiabank Division playoffs. There should be some bodies flying around out there, none of whom have skates on. Well, and you know, now that you've talked about Edmonton, uh, there's a couple of things I'd like to explore there. I mean, they obviously have those those two great offensive players and have had uh, next to no success trying to build around them. The Leafs have, I guess, four high-end core players offensively up front, and it's taken them a while to build. But I, I certainly like what the Leafs have done in terms of building around core players. And in Winnipeg, they had this guy, Lyonnais, who could fill the net on demand and, and couldn't make that work. I mean, so, you know, a lot of people look at the Golden Gooses, just give me those two top-end players and we'll be able to do it. Not necessarily true, is it? No, it's not. And I, I was on another show with uh, Phil Esposito last week, and you're familiar with that. But yep. we were talking about dynasties and success in playoffs and what's required. 
And as Phil said, first of all, you have to have a goaltender. You've got to be able to handle a puck in today's game, but you've got to be very good goaltender as well. You need a defenseman who is able to move the puck, but he's also able to play the game without the puck. Just one, one real good one. And then if you've got a centerman, top-notch centerman, let alone two, you should have a playoff team. Well, when you put that uh, uh, outline in front of the Edmonton Oilers, they don't have a goaltender. They don't have a defenseman that can carry it other than the stiff that we got, uh, that the Leafs got last year and did nothing. And uh, not Barry, what's his name, um, from Colorado. Anyway. That was Tyson Barry. Tyson Barry, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's their problem. Calgary, as I watched on Sunday, uh, Monaghan, who's their big centerman, has slipped. And he's just another guy now. He's not what I consider a big centerman. Their defenseman is Giordano. He's the guy, maybe uh, uh, one of their younger guys, but, but there's, not, there's not a front runner there. And their forwards, you know, they've got three or four. But I don't think Calgary has a chance. And the chance they'll get is if their goaltending uh, comes through and is super, super normal. Uh, Edmonton, are, they've got an experienced coach who only coaches one way, and that's diametrically opposite to the way you should coach two superstar players like he has. So they're out. So now you've got the choice of Winnipeg, and they will be significantly strengthened by Dubois coming. And so I think they've got a chance. They've got a goalie. They got at least two centermen, and they've got forwards in abundance. So they're using the Esposito formula. The team that should make it is Winnipeg, and yeah. Winnipeg will take one spot, and uh, somebody else uh, of the next three will grab the fourth spot. But I, I think almost uncategorically, the uh, Scotiabank Division, as I affectionately call it, <laughs> is the weakest in the loop. Um. For the Leafs, what I've noticed, and, and I think uh, he sort of rose to the occasion on Friday, was with Matthews out, Kerfoot really had a pretty good game. And then uh, on the Sunday game against Calgary was centering Simmons and Mikheyev. And both those wingers have enormous wingspans. They're big guys. They they create a lot of space. I, I really like the look of that line. How about you? I did, too. I've always liked Kerfoot based on what he had done in Colorado. And yet when he got to Toronto, uh, the resemblance of him playing hockey in Toronto and in Colorado was strictly coincidental. He didn't do a lot, didn't get a lot of play. Now he's killing penalties with Mikhaev, and they think that both of them are very effective, and they are. And I don't disagree with you with a, a line of Simmons, Mikhaev, and Kerfoot. That is a, that's a very solid third line. I, I think it strengthens the team. The only thing that the Leafs need is to toughen up their defense somehow. And I don't know how much you can ask of them when they can play two games in a row with have less than uh, two, goal, two goals scored. I mean, that's, that's unheard of. And uh, that's a change in coaching philosophy, a change in everything, and an acceptance by the, uh, the new defensemen that this is the way we have to play to get ice time. They couldn't convince the ones that were here for the last three years. So I think the changes that they've made have made them a better team. I think the presence of Simmons has made them a different team. And with Kerfoot playing the way he did last year, and you've got uh, Tavares and Austin Matthews ahead of him, 
how can you have three better centermen? They're, they're ready to go if they could toughen up their defense. I, I, I like Anderson in goal, and I like Campbell a lot more than I thought I would. So I, I, I see the Leafs as a team that can challenge Montreal, but Montreal looks to me like they're the best in the division at this point. Well, and, and to the you know that point about the Leafs, I find that it's just little things in their own zone. Uh, they don't get trapped the way they used to. Remember, getting out of their own zone was a mystery at times. Right. Uh, you know, self-inflicted wounds. They they seem to have simplified their game in their own zone and and don't spend a lot of time there, which is kind of important. Well, absolutely, particularly when you reflect on what has happened in the past, and your hmm. point's well made. I mean, if they don't get it out in the first pass, it's going in the net. Well, it's going to be a significant chance, and that has changed. But to refer back to what I said earlier, uh, we won't see them play a good team outside of Montreal until the playoffs, until they're in the semifinal of the Stanley Cup. Or otherwise, they won't be playing. But I, I don't know that that will ever affect the Leafs unless one of the uh, Scotiabank Division teams improves significantly or obtains some players that can help. I, I just see... The Leafs and Canadians not having their way, but if they're playing their game, they're good. They're an odds-on favorite of winning, and particularly Montreal. Montreal has improved so much and has a tough defense. And you can break it down, put the Montreal defense against the Toronto defense. You can't even compare them. The goaltending is fairly even, and that's giving uh, Freddie Anderson the benefit of the doubt. But I would say in depth. Montreal has much the better goal than me. And center, center ice, whether it's Pukaminen or uh, uh, the kid from London, who, uh, Suzuki. Right. Uh, and, then, and then they know as their third. I mean, they're, they're, ready to, they're ready to play. I think Montreal is, it could, could be in the Stanley Cup final. And if they're not, it could be the Leafs. That's how good I think both of them are. And the Leafs have got some room for improvement, as everyone has. But Montreal certainly is the most improved team in the game this year. Well, and when you know, all we can do is go back to uh, the Leafs have an opening night, and for the first half of that game, Montreal absolutely controlled the Leafs in terms of what they were going to do, and probably should have won the game if they didn't take that uh, five-on-three penalty. I mean, uh, I thought they really played the Leafs smartly, especially for an opening game. I did too, Jim, and I even thought more smartly when they scored. Anderson scored early in the third. I thought. You know, this is a good. This is a sign of a good team. They knew they'd outplayed them. They knew they took a stupid uh, double minor penalty, which cost them uh, two goals. And yet they came back. And the Leafs, on the good side of the Leafs, came back to tie and win it in overtime. But it was a game that I thought Montreal uh, had deserved to win. And yet you couldn't take anything away from the Leafs' victory because they got it the hard way. They came back. They tied. They went to overtime and they won. They did everything they had to do in difficult situations. All right, let's talk about George Armstrong, who passed away on the weekend at 90. I mean, this guy was a long-serving Maple Leaf captain. He was a long-serving Maple Leaf employee, literally did everything possible for the Leafs. What are your recollections of the Leaf captain? Well, I remember him when I was a kid because my mother was from Stratford. So she followed their junior hockey team at that time. They were the Stratford Clares. And uh, they, Chief came down from Sudbury to play his last year of junior with Stratford. 
So I said, 49. That meant he was 20 or 40. So I guessed his age. Not to the day because I didn't know his birthday. But I knew that he had passed in his 90th year. And I I have so much respect for George Armstrong that I, I find it difficult to explain. I knew him when I was an agent. I knew him when he was a player. And whenever I did, he addressed me politely, respectfully, and with a sense of humor that only George could have. If George got on you, you really got it. And his best buddy was Johnny Bauer. Some of the stories that even I won't tell about him and Johnny are legendary. And yet, uh, I know I worked with both of them because they were both on the Leafs staff when um, when I was working there. Uh, and, and they were both outstanding guys. Another good friend of Chiefs was Ron Stewart, who uh, uh, was from out west, but played, lived in Barry when he was playing for Toronto. Very good hockey player, played with the Kings, with the Rangers after that. But he and Chief, Chief liked to, to goad you a little. And you know, if he got you going, he, was in, he, he really could get Johnny going. And that was to his credit. He was someone who, if you asked anybody that worked with him, whether it was the Toronto Marlies, that, uh, they, I think they won two uh, Memorial Cups, the Chief as the coach. And Chief was nothing more than a player's coach. He got you to the point where you really wanted to play for him, and he could tell you how to do it. And if you did it, you were, you were okay. And if you look at the group of people that graduated from the Marlies when he coached, it, it's almost unbelievable how personable most of them are. They've got great personalities. They got that from their parents, needless to say, but it didn't hurt having Chief around, giving them the shots when he did and, and uh, doing, doing what he had to do. Uh, he went to Quebec one year, and they loved him in Quebec. That was when Harold was in the state of short-chained and deep pockets. And uh, I, I, when I was there, he was battling. When I was in management in the 90s and early two, 2000s, he was back, and he and his wife, Betty, just carried along like they were. he was still the captain of the team. George never had any pretensions of grandeur or Stanley Cups. Most respect of anybody on the staff. And he did what he was asked to do. If Harold asked him to coach, he coached. If Harold asked him to be the general manager, he did that. He, he was a Maple Leaf forever. And uh, God bless him. You get 90 years like he got. You've got a lot of good innings. It's a sad day when he passes, but a day to rejoice. A great Maple Leaf. Yeah, well said, Bill. Could, you know, that, that's a, a really nice tribute. I'm just looking at the 72-73 uh, Marlies in the Ontario Hockey Association. And the lineup, he's got both Howe brothers, uh, Paul Ambortolo, Bruce Boudreau, Bob Daly. Uh, who else did he have there? Uh, Glenn Goldup. Uh, yeah. Wayne Dillon, some really good hockey players. And oh, the team, yeah. oh, and, and Mike Palmatier was the goalie. Uh, that yeah. team was 47, 7, and 9. They had ties back then, won the championship. Wow. And, and I think in 74 5, they did it again. Mike Kitchen, Trevor Johansson, uh, some of the guys that you just mentioned. And, and they're all very. Like Mike Kitchen is, is, I'm as close to Mike Kitchen as I am to any hockey players that I've had dealings with, whether it be in management, in my agent business, or uh, just knowing them through the industry. But Mike Kitchen is quality. 
and he, he, he will be devastated when he hears of Chief's passing. Bill, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Okay, James. Be good. Stay All right. Yep. Talk to you next week. Thank Bill for his time. Our next guest is an accomplished hockey writer. He's written 19 books. His name is Kevin Shea. Welcome in our second guest of the podcast, Kevin Shea, hockey author. Kevin, how are you today, sir? Doing real well, Jim. How are you doing? Very good. This is (laughs) the the new world, right? (laughs) You're there and I'm here. Crazy, crazy, but wonderful at the same time. Absolutely. I, I'd like your thoughts. Uh, we talked to Bill Waters a short while ago on on the passing of George Armstrong and, uh, you know, the quintessential leaf. If, if you had to tell everybody what a maple leaf is, it would be George Armstrong. Oh, you know, one of those great leaders. People lead in different ways. So you've got the Marc Messier leader, you've got the Jean Beliveau leader, and then you've got the George Armstrong leader, too, who, you know, wasn't necessarily the best player on the ice, although he certainly was good and strong. but Adored by his teammates, motivating in fun ways, in friendly ways, whatever. And uh, just his longevity and his time with all of those championships, making one of the consummate leaders for sure. A, a big loss for the hockey world. Yeah. And, you know, as you were describing them there, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, those of us that can remember the four Stanley Cups in the 60s, uh, the, the way to describe those teams would be as you described George Armstrong. They were all like that in their own way, weren't they? Yeah, they really were. You know, you get a chance to talk to some of the players through the years. And, and uh, I wrote a book about Ron Ellis years and years ago, and he couldn't speak highly enough about George Armstrong because, and it kind of embodies what we're talking about here. Ron was unsure of his place with the Leafs, the only rookie at that particular time when he joined the team in 65, even though he was doing well, just really had lost his confidence. And George took him under his wing several times, took him out for lunch, made him laugh a few times, made him feel like part of the team. And that really helped escalate his game to the point where he had a, a, an incredible career with the, uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. But he, he owes a great deal of it to George, who just made him feel like part of this extraordinary team with Keon and Mahovlich and Bauer and Horton and all of these players. And that's the kind of guy George was. Make you laugh. You know, motivate you, uh, show what he could do on the ice, all of those sorts of things. Okay, now you've written 19 books, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. (laughs) What is your favorite of the 19 books? Oh, boy, I'd be juggling for sure. Um, I'll have to mention two, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, Years and years ago, I wrote a book about Bill Barilko called Barilko Without a Trace and tried to pull the curtain back on Barilko as a person rather than just the guy who scored that Stanley Cup winning goal that we we think about, we didn't see necessarily, but in, in 1951. And, and a ton of people I spoke to and really, really got to know who Bill was without ever having met the gentleman, obviously. But uh, that would be my favorite for sure. Right up there beside it would be the Toronto Maple Leaf uh, Hockey Club official centennial publication, writing 100 years about the, the franchise closest to my heart, to your heart in many ways, not in many ways, in every way. And, and uh, that was really uh, an honor to write and uh, a delight to write and to relive all of those, those uh, well, let's, let's say ebbs and flows that uh, happened with the team through 100 years of uh, the franchise, both with the Arena Hockey Club, the St. Pats, and of course, with the Maple Leafs. 
So Kevin, take us back. I mean, how did it, how did the writing start for you? And, and, you know, was this just like, I mean, you, people always look at the reverse, this guy's written 19 books and they sort of end on, on the end of the equation, but how did you get there? It's a crazy story. <laughs> Sorry, Jim, bear with me here for a second. But um, so I'd always been a, a Maple Leaf fan, but I was working in the music industry at the time. And my two best friends who still remain my best friends, both were in the music industry too. And we were getting together at, at one time when we were all single, we'd get together two, three times a week for dinner and just laugh and have fun, talk about life and, and girls and all the things that go with it. And anyway, um, it was Christmas 1999 and we were getting together for dinner in the, in the beach area. We all exchanged gifts. And, and uh, so my two buddies, Kim Cook and Steve Waxman said, listen, we've gone together to what uh, to buy your Christmas gift this year. And they pulled out this big, big box. And so I opened it and, and oh my, it was weird pads of paper and pens and floppy disks, which kind of shows the era and, <laughs> and a book that said uh, writing for dummies. And they stared at me and said, look, we've listened to your hockey stories. Every time we get together for all of these years, you're going to write a hockey book. And I said, come on, guys, I, I, I can't write a hockey book. I have, uh, I have, I, I, I just, I can't write a hockey book. I'd written some magazine articles. I'd written other things, but never had written a book. And they said, you're writing a book. So they challenged me. So I sent off proposals to every publisher that I could think of rejection letters or or the vast silence but one publisher got back to me and said uh, we we really like your writing we love your passion we don't want your book but we've we've contracted a book that we think you'd be good for would you meet us for lunch sure so i met them for lunch and it was uh, the publisher was there with another gentleman who i vaguely recognized he was a little bit disfigured he'd had uh, it was clear he'd had some some surgeries through the years that uh, that were you know challenging to him and so i realized that i think that's tom Smythe, who was the grandson of con Smythe, the son of mm -hmm. stafford and so uh so the publisher asked me a few questions and i answered and they were smiling and then uh, and then he said to tom which reconfirmed for me who i was talking to tom did you have some questions for kevin and tom asked me some softball questions about the Smythe family which i was able to uh, to answer very quickly and, and thoroughly. And Tom looked at the publisher and said, he's our guy. So, so then it came down to, okay. So the publisher said, okay, so we'd love you to write the book uh, about the Smythe family. Can you write a book in a month? And I said, sure. sure. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. <That's> right. <laughs> sure. So I, I, uh, I said, uh, you know, at the time I was the vice president of a record company, so I'm working long hours already. But damn it, if if I was if I was going to write a book, this is here's my start, and I was going to make it happen. So I worked all day, and then I I wrote until I dropped and got up on my hour and a half of sleep and did the music industry again, and I submitted the book, and and uh, it actually did quite well. But if I can just add one little <laughs> little sure. story, and I was so proud. Got Wayne Gretzky to write the foreword. Uh, um, here's my name on the front of the book. It's the Smythe family and, and it was called Center Ice. And there's my name with Smythe and Gretzky. So I got the sample copy and uh, the publisher said, oh, you're going to love it. And I, it looked good and it was printed with blue ink. And it, it just, my first book, I was so excited, Jim. And I opened it up and the tears are running down my face, not of happiness, 
because there were so many typos in it, it was unbelievable. Oh. They, the very first uh, picture is Jean Beliveau uh, accepting the Conn Smythe Trophy, and it has John J-O-H-N Beliveau. Oh, oh my. Wait, wait a minute. I, I, I know I didn't do that. And as we went along, they had the J.P. Bickle Trophy was now the J.P. Pickle Trophy. Oh. And, and, <laughs> and uh, Tom Smythe's best friend was Doug, whatever it was, and it was Dog through the entire book. So I'm so angry. I go back to my manuscript, and I'm, they were correct in the manuscript. It turns out that the publisher didn't have time to hire an editor, so he ran it through spell check oh. and, and, and accepted oh. these things. So even though, even though we sold a lot of copies of it, all of the reviews said, yeah, really good story, but this guy's got to learn how to write or whatever it happens to be. I was crushed, but the fact was it opened, my, uh, opened the door and allowed me to write more books, and off we went. Wow. So obviously you fine-tuned the process since then. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> now I make sure there's an editor, a copy editor, and a, you know you name it, involved as well, and that I've got plenty of time to research and write it as well. But it was the start and uh, kind of a, a weird start, but a good start. So I, I think anybody listening would be curious, how did you get Gretzky to do the foreword? So there's a guy that you and I know, a guy named Bruce Barker, worked in the, in the radio industry, still does, to... Uh, right. to down in Guelph and Bruce is a good pal of mine and and he knew Gretzky through hockey circles as well so I asked Bruce if there was any way to get to Gretzky thinking that he was he had won the Conn Smythe trophy so the Smythe uh, Smythe uh, connection there but also his very first game was at Maple Leaf Gardens with his grandma so I thought that would be a great way to to have him write the forward so I asked Bruce and he said yeah, yeah contact this guy and it was uh, a guy who used to work with the Edmonton Oilers, who was his personal publicist. Didn't hear back. And then one day I've got a phone call and uh, I was at the record company and, and uh, hi, Kevin, it's Wayne. Said, yeah. How can I help you out? I said, no, it's Wayne Gretzky. I said, yeah, right. And I hung up oh. <laughs> and a guy called back and said, Kevin, no, honestly, Kevin, it's Wayne Gretzky. And I, and there's a guy who I worked with named Leonard Brody, who always was doing prank calls on me. So Leonard, F you and hung up on him again. Thank goodness the guy called back and said, look, Kevin, before you hang up, here's my number. Call me back. And it was a, a California number. And uh, call me back and, and just, okay, call Kevin. It's Wayne Gretzky. I said, oh, my God, Wayne, I am so bored. <laughs> Kevin, it's not the first time it's happened to me, and it probably won't be the last. And he laughed like crazy. So he asked me what I wanted. He said, you know what, uh, I, I'd be honored to. And, and uh so he wrote the forward to the book. So I was, I got lucky. I got lucky with getting the oh. contract. I got lucky to get Gretzky, and I just got lucky to uh, to start my writing career that way. That is, that's a phenomenal story. Pretty crazy, <laughs> Tim. It, it is. Well, you are a Leaf fan, so what do you think about what you're seeing? They're five and two. You know, I, I like the record. I don't love the way they're playing, but the fact is, they're back playing, and that's good enough for me too. Uh, I. I guess I need to see a little more consistency. I'd like to see them shore up the defense a little bit more just playing. They've got some great players that way. You know, it's early in the season. They're back playing really when it all, when it all comes down to it, that's what matters right now. So we'll hope yeah. for the best and see and hope for an entertaining season and we'll have some fun in the process. Just, just one more to, to sort of close off. We'd love to have you back at another time, but, yeah. but when you're writing that Smythe book, I mean, that is the, the foundation, that is the start. 
of the Maple Leaf franchise. That had to be a real, uh, not uh, I guess, a real discovery for you. Well, it really was. You know, I knew a lot about the Leafs, but you don't really know until you start to dig in and start talking to people and 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 talking to Tom, who you know, I have to realize that he was telling the Smythe story through rose-colored glasses as well because of his connection. And and he was pushed out of Maple Leaf Gardens by the Ballard family, by by Harold. And so he had some some things to say. But, you know, it was great just to, again, to, to pull back the layers and find out about Khan as a person, as a grandfather, as not just as that iconic figure who ran the Leafs with an iron fist for so many years. And that was nice. And to hear about Stafford and a bit of an acrimonious relationship between Stafford and, and uh, Tom, but to find out what Stafford was like as a father, not just as the hockey icon that we know as well. So, so it was eye-opening and and really, really a wonderful opportunity for me that I just landed in through sheer luck. Nothing more than that. That's great, Kevin. Really appreciate your time, and we will have you back. Enjoyed it so much, Jim. Love talking hockey. Love to talk to you as well. Take care of yourself, Jim. Okay, thank you. You too. Time now for the Yes Guy Awards, and we just have enough time to do it. Last minute of play in this podcast. Yes Guy Awards, with a minute to go, Morgan Riley, three assists in the first star Sunday against Calgary, a definite Yes Guy to him. And how about Mitch Marner, certainly deserving of a Yes Guy Award, one goal, three assists for four points in his last two games. He has 10 points in seven games on the season, and he is really lighting it up. I'm going to give a Yes Guy Award to William Nylander as well. Two assists in the win over Edmonton. Very noticeable on the ice. And how about this? A Yes Guy Award to the entire line. Kerfoot, Simmons, and Mikheyev. Now, Kerfoot in the Friday game was elevated because Austin Matthews could not play. It really looked good. And then on Sunday with Simmons and McKayev on his line, as I said with Bill Waters earlier, they have huge wingspans, and Kerfoot is, I think, the perfect fit for them. So there are your four Yes Guy Award winners. I want to thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed Episode 5. Be with us for Episode 6 on Friday. 